start in the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. You know if I'm going to talk about the potters, we have to go down the potter's house, right? So that's the potter's scripture. So let's go to Jeremiah 18 in your Bibles, and uh, we're going to go ahead and read that together. And uh, you can stay seated as we read the word of the Lord. It's going to be six verses, and so let's go through that together. Jeremiah 18, beginning verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go down to the potter's house. Isn't that interesting? Do you see a roller coaster ride there? Arise and go down, arise and go down. I, I, I could preach on that, but I'm not going to, but I just, that just kind of leaped out at me. The journey with God sometimes looks like that until you arrive to where you're going. Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. There I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. Verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look as the clay is in, his, in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, old house of Israel. May the Lord add his blessing to his word tonight. Um, God loves to use imagery so that we can understand him better. God is a spirit, but he reveals himself to us in a lot of different kinds of ways. And so many times the, the, the Lord will use imagery so that we can relate to him more as, as the human race. God uses imagery like the shepherd and the sheep. And that is how God describes his provision and protection of us. By saying, I'm the shepherd and you are my sheep. He uses imagery of the husband and the wife. And that is how the Lord describes a covenant relationship with us where he gives us unconditional love and even calls himself God the divorcee, meaning that you can walk away from me, but I'll never walk away from you. I'll always be waiting when you come back. Isn't that a beautiful portrait of God right there? So God even calls himself God the divorcee, saying, I will always be waiting on you. You know, someone asked me one time, they said, do you believe once saved, always saved? I said, no, but I do believe once in grace, always in grace. I do believe that. I believe that once the grace of God has covered you, the grace of God will chase you for the rest of your life, and God will always want you back and bring you back to him no matter what. God uses the image of the father and the children, and that is the way that God describes to us how he birthed us, how he disciplines us, and how he's maturing us and taking us through processes that mature us. And here in this passage, he uses the imagery of the potter and the clay. Now it's interesting that Adam was made from clay, and so God uses this, so it's not, it's not strange to imagine in this spiritual metaphor that we are the clay and God's hands are the potter's hands. Now here's the thing you need to understand. When you understand the imagery of the potter and the clay, and you pray this prayer, not my will, but thine be done. Has anyone ever prayed to God, Father, thy will be done in my life? So in the imagery of the potter and the clay, when you're saying, thy will be done in my life, you're also saying, thy will be done in my life. 
in order for me to conform to your plan, you must make me into what you want me to be. So I cannot ask God to bless me until I'm a vessel. I cannot ask God to just bless who I am if I'm not prepared to do what it is that he wants me to do. So it is impossible to do the will of the Father without some kind of transformation. I wanna see the hand of everybody that has been transformed by God in one area of your life. I wanna see the hand of everybody, this is a witness tonight, everybody that's been broken before and put back together. Anybody that has been let down in order to be lifted up. Anybody know what that looks like? I wanna see your hand tonight. And so in this imagery of the potter, the Lord begins to tell us, and all I'm gonna draw from is what this scripture draws from. Now I could tell you a lot about, well, I couldn't tell you nearly a, as much about pottery as Nikki could tell you, but I can, what I want to do is I want to stick to the context of this text and just say what the scripture wants us to see in this text. Now the first thing we know about this text is that we can see the intentions of the potter. We can see the intentions of the potter. What are the intentions of the potter? He wants to take something ordinary and make something extraordinary out of it. Now, some of you didn't hear me say that, but I wanna tell you, this is you I'm talking about. God wants to take something natural and turn it into something supernatural. God wants to take something ordinary and do something for the clay that the clay could never do for itself. How many of you know that if you're a self-made man, you'll never reach your potential that God can take you to? If all you are is talented, you're never gonna reach the potential that you could be in God. So the potter wants to take something ordinary and make something extraordinary. Now, we know the plans of the potter because Jeremiah is writing this passage and he reveals plans of the potter, the intentions of the potter in another part of the book of Jeremiah. He says in chapter 29, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Somebody needs to lay hold of that right now and say, I know what I'm going through, but God has a plan for me. Somebody needs to say right now, God is not finished with me yet. I know what it looks like but I'm in a process. I know what it looks like, but I'm not through. God is not finished with me yet. So Jeremiah is at a place that maybe you've been at before. Jeremiah is at a place where he just doesn't know what to do. I know I'm not the only one, so let me see your hand one more time. Have you ever been in a place where you were just stuck and you needed a word from the Lord? Anybody living on a word from the Lord right now? Have you ever moved on a word from the Lord? Have you ever relocated on a word from the Lord? Have you ever started a ministry on a word from the Lord? Have you ever done something and all you had was a vision and a dream and an empty shelf and an empty, but you had a full heart? Listen, when we started ISO, it was me and a laptop and Perry encouraging me on the sides and here's some books and tapes and CDs, but you go build a school. And it was like, how in the world am I going to build a school? I remember sitting there when I first got here, I didn't have an office and there was an old reception area over at VOE that had boxes in there and I would go sit there, I moved the boxes out of the way because I had no place, we weren't, in, we weren't in, the, in the Lowry Center yet. I would 
go in there and I was sitting among all those boxes and I'm thinking, I just left a mega church and I have a THD and I'm sitting in a box room typing on a laptop because I got a word from the Lord. This is the craziest thing I have ever done in my life. And I would go home to my, to my redhead and she would say, now tell me that word from the Lord one more time because we just walked off from our kids. We just walked off from your retirement plan. We just walked off from our insurance. We just walked off from our salary from a mega church. Tell me again. I had to write down 17 things that the Lord told me was gonna happen and I put them on the wall. Listen, I was walking by faith and not by sight and can I tell you to the glory of God, we now have 8,000 students and we are in 74 countries around the world because somebody moved on a word from God. Sometimes you get stuck and you gotta have a word. Anybody need a word tonight? I believe God's gonna bring clarity to your mission tonight. I'm a man on a mission because I'm living on a word. There's a dream inside of me. As a matter of fact, what you don't know is when I was standing up here worship tonight, I was prophesying over this whole front. I was asking God for 50 college students to walk in here on fire for God. How many of you can believe with me for that? I, I don't care if they're saved. I didn't ask God to send me five 50 saved people. I want to. I don't care if they come here and get saved. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what they sound like. I don't care what they're involved in. I just believe that another generation needs to be awakened and that we are the place that can help them do that. They need to open up their eyes and see Jesus. And while I was here tonight worshiping, I was prophesying. I hope every time you walk in this building, you begin to prophesy not what is. What is is awesome. I'm telling you, this here is awesome. But in the hands of the potter, it can become more than you ever hoped or dreamed for in the hands of the potter. I'm living proof of that. I prove, I'm living proof of that when I took a church of 50 at the age of 24 and God grew it into thousands. When I came to ISO with nothing but a dream and a laptop and God turned it into thousands. And I'm telling you, we have an assignment here at Ramp OCI and God is gonna bring that into fruition. We're gonna see blinded eyes open and the cripple walk. And whether that is in the natural or the spiritual or both, we're gonna see the glory of God poured out on the people of the Lord. Hallelujah. So the potter wants to do something extraordinary through something ordinary. So we see the potter's, the, the potter's intention. But the potter has to work with something. So beyond the potter's intention, we have to look at the material that the potter has to work with. Now, when you see Nikki working up here tonight, you see this clay that has already been through the process, but I wanna show you guys, put that on the screen. I want them to see where it starts. It's just an old pile of dirt that it starts with, and I think I, I gave you guys, there we go, over here. Look at this, this is where he starts. The potter's material is just a pile of dirt, and clay is, has to be separated. The clay is in with the rocks and the chicken bones and the feathers and the dead 
dead carcasses. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because that was your life before Jesus. This clay is mixed in with sticks and stones and all kinds of dirty things around it. And the potter has to decide, am I willing to separate the clay from everything else that it's mixed in with and mixed up with? Can I see the hand of anybody tonight? You were all messed up when Jesus found you. Not everybody was born into a Christian family. Not everybody was dedicated as a child. I want to see somebody who got radically saved, and when you got saved, people looked at you and said, that's the last thing I ever thought would happen in your life, but here you are. You know what? I don't want you to raise your I want you to stand up. If you're one of those people that God pulled out of a mess, and he put you in, a, in his perfect place, look around you at all of the work of the potter. Look around you at what the Lord has done in people's lives. Brokenness, but he restored you. A messed up life, but he put you together. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. So the next thing we look at is not only the intentions of the potter, but also the material that the potter has to work with. And so the Bible says that he saw the potter at the potter's house with the clay. So that means that the potter had to go out in the field where it had been walked on. Anybody ever been walked on? Where he had been dumped on? I don't have to explain that, I hope. But anybody ever been dumped on? Anybody ever been walked on? Anybody ever been lied on? Anybody ever been trodden under the feet of men? And the potter walks out there with a shovel and a bucket and says, I'm gonna dig you out of a dirty place. I'm gonna dig you out of a place. You thought you were gonna be stuck here, but I'm gonna take you inside the house and it was there not in church it was there not in a convention it was there I don't know who I'm talking to tonight but it was not at a camp meeting no we're not talking steeples and bells and handbell choirs I'm saying there in the gutter where God picked him up there is there a witness in the house of somebody that God pulled you where was your there were you in the drug when God found you? Were you in the nightlife scene when God found you? Were you in the were you in the sex scene when God found you? Where is where is your there when God picked you up and he brought you in the house? The next thing it says is that when he picked him up, he brought the clay in the house. Can I tell you something? I'm just so glad to be in the house. If I never get another name tag, I'm just glad I'm not out in the field. I'm 
under the foot of men. I'm just glad I'm not where he was. Thank God I'm not everything I want to be, but thank God every day I'm not what I used to be. And I'm not where I used to be and what I used to be because God found me there and picked me up there. Some of you were picked up out of depression. Some of you out of oppression. Some of you, you have been marked for disaster because you are living a life of curses that have been spoken over you time and time again. But there, God picked you up and he brought you in the house. Look around you. See where you are tonight. You could be in the graveyard, but you're in the house. You could be in the jailhouse, but you're in God's house. Some of you know where you were headed. Some of you know where your life was taken new. And here you are. When you're glad to be in the house, they don't have to save you a seat. They don't have to give you a name tag. They don't have to save you a parking place. You don't care if anybody shakes your hand. You're just so happy that you're not where you were. You're just so glad that you're not where you were, that you're just glad. Anybody just glad to be in the house tonight? Anybody just glad to be in the house tonight? Hallelujah. So the potter chooses the clay. And when the potter chooses the clay, he does this to the clay. He chooses the clay, he separates the clay, and he sanctifies the clay, he cleanses it. Anybody remember that process when God said, okay, if I'm gonna use you, you can't go here anymore, you can't do this anymore, the separation. Anybody, can I ask you a question? I know some people believe that you only get sanctified one time and it's over with. I personally don't believe that. God is still working on me. Anybody, am I the only one? Is God still, are anybody still being washed by the water of the word on a continual basis? That's what sanctification is. It's God, listen, don't ever get to a point that you have no conviction in your life. That's a scary place to be. If God is still convicting you, you're in a good place. If God is still working on you, you're in a good place. If God says you shouldn't have said that, you're still in a good place. If God ever nudges you, and said, watch your attitude, attitude check. Have God ever done, I know I'm the only one that ever happens to, but if that ever happens to you, don't be punching your husband and your wife right now. But if God is ever saying to you, watch your attitude because you're representing me, watch your mouth. You watch what you say when you're angry. Watch what you say when you're stressed out. Don't make excuses for the curses that are coming out of your mouth just because you're tired or just because you're sick or just because you're hurt because everything that comes out of your mouth you are speaking your world into existence the power of life and death is in the tongue you got to keep speaking life even in pain you got to keep speaking life and so he takes the clay and he separates the clay and he cleanses the clay and then he puts the clay on the wheel he puts the clay on the wheel now when you get put on the potter's wheel there's a lot of spinning going around. There's a lot of, uh, it looks like when, when I'm watching Nikki make this pot, this pot is doing this. Has that ever felt like you before? Have you ever felt like, Lord, when is this gonna, when is this gonna end? Have you ever, ever been in a battle that you thought, is it ever going to end? Can I ever smile again? Will I ever get my joy back? Will I, will I ever get my health back? Will I ever get my, have you ever been in a battle and you ask yourself, will my peace ever return? Will my rest ever return? Is there gonna be a place where I'm content in the Lord again? And I could, any, has anybody ever said, Lord, will I ever be victorious again? 
Come on, one battle after another. Come on. You, you, will I ever be victorious again? And while you're spinning and you're spinning and you're spinning and it looks like you're out of control. Now this is, happens to be an electric will. But if you were doing it the old fashioned way when your life is spinning out of control and you think it's the devil and you're saying the devil's doing this and the devil's doing that. If you peek out underneath the wheel, you'll see it's not the devil. It's the potter saying I'm forming you so I can feel you. I'm forming you so I can make you into something that you cannot make yourself into. I know that I'm stretching you. I know that it's painful. I know I'm lifting you. I know I'm pulling you up, but I'm spinning you to form you into something you cannot become by yourself. Because you see, the job of the potter is to form something that they plan to feel. See, everybody wants to be filled before they're formed. Uh, God, just give it to me. Don't make me earn it. God, just give me my stripes. Give me my authority badge so I can just tell everybody where to go. Well, no, hopefully not that, but God, give me my authority badge, but I, I don't want to go to boot camp for it. I don't want to earn it. I don't want to overcome anything. I don't want to have to quit feeling sorry for myself. I don't want to quit my whining and my pining. No, God, I don't want that. I want all this attention, and I want to be powerful too. And God says, that's not how it works. Unless you let me form you, I cannot feel you. You have to understand I'm making you into something. I'm forming you into something because I'm going to fill you with something that's greater than you. When Jesus shows his disciples, it looked like Jesus had made the biggest mistake of his life. Anybody feel that way when God chose you? Anybody said, God, there's got to be a better choice than me. Listen, when he called me to preach at 17 years old and I was running from God and running from the church, I'm thinking, why me? I've told you this story before. When the Lord called me to preach, I said, what kind of a choice is that? You know, that was, that was my response. And I thought, God, why me? Why not somebody who is more, you know, continue? God didn't choose me because I was ready. God did not choose me because I was, he chose me because he knew the deposit that he was about to put inside of me. And he knew that if he ever, if I ever allowed him, if the clay can cooperate and allow him to form me, that he can make me into something that I do not have the ability to make myself into. When Jesus chose his disciples, it looked like he was having a bad day. He chose these unlearned poor fishermen. Come on, Jesus. Can't you do better than that? He chose a gang member, a zealot. Really? Simon the zealot? A gang member, he was just in a fight yesterday. His eye is still bloody and his nose still has a sore on it from his fight last week. His knuckles are still bruised. Really, Jesus? You really want Simon the Zealot, a tax collector? Come on, a Jewish boy collecting taxes for the Romans? Every Jew hates this guy. How is he ever going to bring the gospel to the world? A doubter? Really? You want a doubter? A hot-headed old fisherman that's down on his luck? And maybe he was hot-headed because his mother-in-law was living in his house. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. But that was old Simon Peter. You really want this hot? And how about the sons of thunder? Come on, Jesus. Can you, chuff, can you find two brothers that can at least get along? You want the sons of thunder? And the whole world got shocked when he chose Saul of Tarsus. I mean, come on. Here here is the Christian killer, the Pharisee, the one who 
is killing Christians and imprisoning Christians and you want him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. But when Jesus got through forming them and filling them with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people were saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit and Thomas went further, doubting Thomas went further than any other disciple. He took the gospel all the way to India. He went further than anybody and was and died a martyr's death from a Hindu priest because he was taking the gospel around the world. And John, John gives us the book of Revelation. Don, just 15-year-old kid that Jesus chooses. His mama's still trying to tell him where to sit, asking Jesus, will you let him sit on the right or left? I want my baby to look important. And this Jewish mama was getting real intense. And Jesus said, if you'll just leave him alone, I can make something out of this boy. And did he ever? He gives us the revelation of heaven. He gives us the book of Revelation and the second coming of Jesus and the rapture of the church and the revelation of the tribulation period, the millennial reign of Christ. This 15-year-old kid that his mama wasn't even sure if he was going to make it. And he becomes John, the revelator, and Paul, that old Saul of Tarsus, the Christian killer who was putting people in jail and killing them. He ended up being Paul the apostle. He was put in jail and he was killed. He The same thing he was doing happened to him, but not until he wrote 13 books of the New Testament and brought the gospel around the world, gave us the glory of the Lord through his writings. Jesus is forming you so that he can fill you. He has to make you into something extraordinary so that he can fill you with something supernatural. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.